0: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
1: And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And then it says in verse 4 Behold, the word of the Lord came to him This man will not be your heir. Your very own son, your one and only son, shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven. And number the stars if you are able to number them. I can
0: see the promised land. Though there's pain within the plan. There is victory in
1: the end. Your love is my battle cry. The answer for all my life.
0: Every dragon will fall, the mountains will move, every chain of the past. You've
1: broken into all the fear of the lies. We're singing the truth that nothing is impossible with you.
0: Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've joined us today for the broadcast, and as we always do, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. As we continue today on our journey through the Book of Romans, we'll be hearing a message that Pastor Keith has entitled, Your Questions Answered. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the book of Romans, chapter 3. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
1: Lord, as we prepare to consider justification by faith today, Lord, in our study, help us to realize how simple and profound and yet controversial our, our salvation is. And Lord, help us to be not just hearers of the word, but doers as we consider what your words say what they mean and what we should do we thank you for the clarity that you give us and we thank you in jesus name amen well as you know we're in a series on the book of romans uh understanding the faith and as we've talked about this if you get romans right you get your faith right you understand the gospel rightly you understand your role your purpose in this life correctly and you get life you can interpret and make sense of your existence Romans is the greatest letter ever written. It is a breathtaking letter because Paul explains the height and depth and breadth of the gospel from Genesis to Revelation, so to speak. It's, it's a very simple organization. It has a logical flow. He starts out in Romans chapter 1 talking about his call as a missionary, as an apostle to the Gentiles and his mission and his message, which is pretty much our mission and message today. He talks about the righteousness that is revealed from faith, for the faith and salvation of others. He reminds us that this righteousness is revealed, but also the wrath of God is revealed for those who reject God's gift of forgiveness and grace. But in Romans chapter 2, he warns us not to become too puffed up or too arrogant that we were all in the same boat. No, None of us are morally superior to the other, and we all needed the same cure, salvation. In Romans chapter 3, he tells us That there's none righteous, no, not one. That there's none who seeks for God. And that there's never been a person that didn't need the Savior. And it's not that we're as bad as we could be, but we'll never be as good as we need to be, and therefore we need redemption. In Romans chapter 4, he tells us about justification by faith, that it's a gift. In Romans chapter 5, he defines salvation for us. In Romans chapter 6, he tells us about grace and sin and the relationship. And in Romans chapter 7, he reminds us, that we're always going to struggle and that the law of God, the word of God, will reveal our sin. And in Romans chapter 8, he encouraged us with the fact that we can have life in the spirit and, and what that spiritual perspective looks like, that all things truly, truly do work together for good. In Romans chapter 9, he sort of rocks our world with the fact that God is sovereign in our salvation. In Romans chapter 10, he tells us how to be saved. In Romans chapter 11, he tells us that God is not done with Israel yet. In Romans chapter 12, he tells us how to worship Chapter 13, how the believer relates to the government and the civil authorities. Chapter 14, how the believer relates to the weaker brother or sister who isn't as far along in the faith as he or she might be. Chapter 15, he tells us about our future hope. And in chapter 16, he wraps it all up for us. It's a glorious, glorious book. He uses a question and answer format so we can understand. He anticipates our questions and he provides us with the answers that we need. That is the book of Romans. Last week, if we learned anything, it is that we are all in need of a Savior, that we're all equally corrupt, that, there's, that everybody needs rescue, that we have no ability to save ourselves. Any more than a leopard can change his spots or an Ethiopian can change his skin color. He reminds us that from our youth, our hearts are continually set on evil. And there's none righteous, there's none who fear God, there's none who respect God, there's none who love God. And thank God that he loved us. And in chapter 4, he answers a question that comes to mind, how how are we saved? I mean, what's the basis of our salvation? And that's what we want to talk about today. As I said before, in chapter 4, Paul continues that question and answer format, and he addresses the Jew and the Gentile, the the Jew and the non-Jew, and he uses Abraham as his primary uh, example from history. And he reminds us of how Abraham was saved, and he tells us that's how we're saved, and he makes three statements about our salvation. And I'll give them to you up front. They're in your notes, and we'll come back to them as we work through this. He tells us he makes statement number one is that salvation is through faith, not works. He tells us, secondly, that salvation is by God's grace. It is a gift. We don't earn it by law-keeping. And he reminds us that salvation number three is only possible through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ and him alone who conquered sin, death, and hell for all of us. And these three statements are essential to understanding the faith. And we like to say, well, that's simple. You know, we just believe in the Lord Jesus and we'll be saved. Belief goes beyond mental assent, but soul surrender. We know that. We've talked about this before. We've talked about, too, and this is where I get this from. You've heard me say many, many times... That there are only two religions in the world, just two. Many denominations, but just two religions. There's the religion of human achievement, where you do something for God, you earn your salvation, you perform some penance, you you burn some sacrifice to your ancestors, whatever it is, you do things to obligate God to you. And there is the religion of divine achievement, where God does for you what you cannot do for yourself, and that is Christianity. And that is what he works out for us in Romans chapter 4. And this is one of the most divisive chapters in the Bible. It shouldn't be, but it is. It's one of the most controversial passages, chapters in the Bible. Because people have, been, have died for this truth. In one 15-year period, by some estimates, 291,450 people were imprisoned or executed in Spain over the idea that you could be saved by faith alone and Christ alone alone and that you didn't need an ecclesiastical body to assure your salvation. One secular authority looking at the same detail said it was more like 350,000. 28,540 were burned in person. 16,520 were burned in effigy. And 303,000 were tortured and forced to recant of their faith. That doesn't include 160,000 Jews who were expelled at that time as well. On August twenty fourth, 1572... An estimated 3,000 people were slaughtered in Paris because they believed in salvation by grace through faith. They call it the St. Bartholomew Massacre. And another 70,000 in the rest of France. This is a controversial topic. Mary Tudor, Queen of England, had 300 ministers and, and, and Thomas Cramner, the Archbishop of Canterbury, burned at the stake. For believing in salvation by grace through faith. So it is a big deal. And when did all this killing end? The last person was executed in 1826 for believing that. Now think about that. That's not that long ago. We think of that in like this the 1500s. So it's a controversial subject. It is divisive, but it's biblical. And we need to understand what we believe. We need to understand our faith and accept no substitutes. And so we get into this, to this chapter. Because what we find here is comfort. Because if you're believing that you have to do something, that you have to earn something, that you have to buy something, that you have to perform some sacrifice or sacrament to even stay saved, then you're not going to have a lot of hope. You'll always be wondering where you stand with God. And this chapter brings great comfort, great joy, great peace of mind. You know, a lot of times we say, well, what chance do I have with God because I've messed things all up and it's just too late for me? Well, that's just not true. And this chapter consoles you with that reality. Some people say, well, I need to get things right with God first, then I can approach God. No, you don't. That's not true. And this chapter makes that plain. Some people say, well, it's too late for me, isn't it? I look how old I am. And you no, know, it's not about what you do. It's what about Christ has done for you. And somebody will say, well, doesn't it take faith plus works? Don't I have to trust God and then perform these things over and over again throughout the rest of my life? And if I miss one, something bad might happen to me. No, that's not what the Bible teaches, and that's what these people died for, because they believed differently. And so we return to Romans chapter 4. I'm going to unpack it for you, but I'm not going to go through every verse and every inch, but sort of the heart of what's going to be taught here is in Romans 4, 18 to 22. And let me read that for you so that you can begin to let that settle into your heart as we, as we look at these three statements that Paul makes about salvation. And what he's talking about here is Abraham, who is the father of us all, spiritually speaking, and the father of the Jewish nation. And to set this up, Abraham was about 100 years old at the time, and Abraham had a wife that was 90 years old, they'd never had any children, and they were trying to figure out how are we going to father a nation? And what we see here is about salvation through faith. In hope, he believed against hope that he would become the father of many nations, as he had been told, or so he had been told. So shall your offspring be, be, be. God had taken him out and said, Look at the stars in the sky, and number them if you can, so shall your offspring be. At a hundred? How's that gonna happen? But it says in verse nineteen, He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced, fully convinced that he was able to do, that God was able to do what God promised. This is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. You see, Abraham was saved by faith, just like we are. And our faith, God treats as if we were righteous. When we trust him, when we trust in God, when we trust in Christ and all that has been accomplished for us, God looks at us and sweeps away our unrighteousness and we become children of God. And so this is what is going on here in Romans chapter 4. It talks about this. It explains this in a way that is comforting, I hope calming, consoling, and even challenging. So what we want to do today is look to Romans chapter 4 for three statements about salvation. That we can understand and grasp and maybe share with other people. Three statements that should calm us, encourage us, console us, and challenge us. And our first statement is this one. Justification, salvation, that's what justification is. You're de- you are declared just by God, righteous by God, is by faith and not by works. We say, of course, we say that, but do we believe that? And would we be willing to die for that? We have nothing to bring to the table. None of us are righteous, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can't any more do anything for God than a leopard can change his spots, or an Ethiopian his skin color, or those who are accustomed to sinning can choose righteousness. And Paul talks about this in Romans 4, 1 through 4. And again, he starts out with that whole Q&A thing because he's wanting to help people understand and to reason alongside him. And he says this, what shall we say then was gained by Abraham? Our forefather according to the flesh. He's talking to the Jewish people. For if Abraham was justified, was saved by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? This is what I love about Paul. He always appeals to the Bible. Today, you hear a Christian say, yeah, I know it says this, but you got to be practical. The culture says, I believe, I feel. That's not what Paul, he says, what does God say? And he quotes Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. You know, it's not faith plus works. It's you are saved by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. And that's how Abraham was saved. He was told he was going to be the father of the nations, that through his seed, the word "their seed is singular, not plural, the nations of the world would be blessed. And he put his faith in God and the coming Christ, and it was counted to him, it was treated by God to him, credited to him as if he were righteous and sinless before God. That's justification by faith. And realize this, if we have anything to do with our salvation, then we've earned it. We have obligated God by something we've done, by some rite or ritual or penance or whatever it is. Maybe we gave a lot of money, maybe we gave a lot of time, and therefore God is obligated, but it says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. It's not either or, and it's not even both and, it's by grace, not by works. We can do nothing to earn God's forgiveness. Jesus taught that. The Jewish people, when he fed the 5,000 and he's having this discussion with them and they wanted to make him king but he wouldn't accept it because he knew what was in man. He knew how bad mankind, humanity was. There's this give and take and they say to him because they want to believe as most people do today. We all want to believe we're special. We all want to believe we have something to offer but we have nothing to offer God. And they say to him in, in, in answer to everything he's just said, then they said to him, then, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Watch his play on words here. Jesus answered them and said, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he sent. The Jewish people said, What can we do to make ourselves righteous? He said, You can't. Only God can make you righteous. And that's that you believe in me. Put your faith on the one whom God has sent. That is the message from Old Testament to New Testament from the very first book of the Bible to the very last. We see this in Genesis fifteen two through 6. Again, let me just set this up. God has promised Abram. He's not yet had his name changed to Abraham. He says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to give you an heir. Through you, all the people of the world will be blessed. And Abraham believes God, and he's struggling with it and everything else. And look what happens here. But Abram said, O oh Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And then it says in verse 4, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. Your very own son, your one and only son, shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Can you imagine that? A hundred years old? Somebody tells you that? Look at verse 6. And he believed the Lord. And he, the Lord, counted it to him as righteousness. I'm amazed at this. Think about it. Abraham is called into ministry when he's 75. When he's 100, he's given the promise. His wife is 90. She's been infertile their whole lives. And he believed God. Hope against hope. Think about that. Abraham laments. Abram laments that he has no heir in verse 2. God promised an heir in verse 4. In verse 5, God gives him the object lesson with the stars. And that's good enough for Abraham. He puts his trust in God and Christ. You're saying, well, wait a minute. Where is Jesus mentioned there? He's the seed through whom the nations will be blessed. And Jesus himself says that in John chapter 8, verses 53 to 58. Let me set this up for you. Jesus is talking to the Jewish leaders. They're not having any of it. He's performed... All kinds of miracles. He's done all kinds of things. He's talked about tearing the temple. If the temple is torn down, the temple of his body, he'll raise it in three days. They're fit to be tied, and we see this. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say to you that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. And look what he says here in verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it, past tense, and was glad. Abraham was saved by faith through the promised Messiah. Faith in Christ just like we are. Paul goes on to elaborate in verses 23 to 25. He says, but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but ours also. It will be counted to us, that's you and I, who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Works do not save. Penance does not save. Sacraments do not save. There is no work of righteousness that you and I can do to purchase, to deserve, to earn our salvation. How many times have we quoted sort of our church verse here, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of works. It is the gift of God, not of works. It is the gift of grace, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that that he prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. The good news is there's no obstacle for you to overcome. You can't be good enough. Nobody can. Nobody ever has been. There's only been one righteous person on planet Earth and that was Jesus Christ, the Son of God and God the Son and he has paved the way through all of us if we trust in him. That is very good news indeed. Which brings us to our second statement which is very similar to the first but also remember he's talking to Jewish Christians in Rome and he's talking to Gentile Christians in Rome and he knows as he talks about this that the Jewish believer will have some questions and he talks about the fact, statement number two, that justification, salvation is by grace, not through law-keeping. Look what he says. Your relationship with God is not based upon rules or performance when it comes to your salvation. Where does he say this? He says this in Romans chapter 4, verses 9 through 13. He says this. And again, it's this whole Q&A thing. He, he understands how people think. He understands how we think. Because the Spirit of God moved him to write these things in anticipation of our time together. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or the uncircumcised? Is this blessing only for the circumcised or also the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he was circumcised? Was it before or after the ritual of circumcision? Was it before or after the law of Moses hasn't even come yet? It was not after but before he was circumcised. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring was that he would be the heir of the world and it did not come through the law, look at this, but through the righteousness of faith. The righteousness that God credited to his account. He believed God, he trusted God, and God considered it, God treated it as righteousness. Look at verses 16 and 17 with me in Romans chapter 4. That is why it depends on faith Abraham is saved by grace through faith. It's not about law-keeping. As it says in verse 16, it's an act of God's grace, God's unmerited favor, God's undeserved favor. Abraham didn't deserve it, he didn't merit it, he didn't earn it, God bestowed it, not because of some righteous deed that he did like circumcision, but because he trusted God. This is the kind and graceful initiative from God that is the pattern of the whole Bible. I mean, if you think back, you heard last week we talked about Ezekiel, right? We talked about the passage. I suggested you write a couple of passages down here. Well, here's one, Ezekiel 34, 20, 36, 24 to 26. This is a picture of God's grace toward Israel, and it really typifies God's grace towards us. Israel has walked away from God. They have chased after many gods, many idols. God disciplining those he loved as a father does the children that he loves, sent them into exile.
0: Pastor Keith Crosby with today's Grace to Live radio broadcast. From everyone here at Hillside Church, we just want to say how grateful we are that you've chosen to spend this time with us today studying God's Word. If you have questions about today's program, or if you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Keith, then I would encourage you to log on to our website, hillsidechurch.org, where you can find more messages and content from Pastor Keith in the Sermons Archives tab, as well as links to Pastor Keith's blog and the new Out of My Mind podcast. You can also connect with us to see the many things happening here at Hillside Church, including our service times, ministry opportunities, and our calendar of upcoming events. Again, all this and more can be found by visiting the website hillsidechurch.org Well, we hope that you'll join us again right here next time on Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you and keep you. And thanks for listening.